Right, God the Father, this morning, um, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in Him you may have life, or life in His name. Here's a question. I got quite a few this morning, as I try and hammer home this point now that God is a Father, because I don't think we believe it enough. Uh, what is the first thing you think of when you think of God? All right? Loads of people would probably go almighty, creator, and ruler. We'll go there first. But he was actually doing something before he, had any, he created anything or anything to rule. Um, here's another question. Are you in a mess in life? Like, if you're cold inside spiritually this morning, perhaps you're not a Christian even, or you're tuning in at home and you're just wondering, what's God like? Maybe you're going through something that you can't even tell the person next to you. Does, is it helpful to know that God is a creator? Or he's a ruler? Like, does that warm you this morning to want to come to him, if that's your first thought? Because some people might be like, well, how's he going to treat me then if he's just an almighty ruler? And what I'm going through, would he ever accept me? I've told you a few times here, um, when I was young, I offended a person a lot. And, um, but I always found, even though I offended him, his door was open to me. And I had a right to always come back to him, even though I smashed the greenhouse window again. Um, but if my first thought of this person was, he's a ruler an almighty creator of this household. I'm not sure, I would probably feel the door would be shut after the tenth time I smashed the, the greenhouse. But to me, he was a father. A father. And in this chapter, the amount of times that God is called father, well, you can count that this afternoon, that's your homework, any Christians listening or non-Christians and you're stuck in addictions or you're wrestling with, should I really live this book out in a culture that's saying it's horrible, parts of it should be thrown away, or I'm going to lose all my friends if I align myself with God and Christianity, or if there's someone here going through that, or maybe you're like, can I ever change? Am I always just going to be in this rut? Am I always going to be just nasty and given to myself or horrible to my wife for the tenth time. Just today, I'm addicted, I'm full of a temper. Like, this passage says, the door is open because God is a father. Like, my dad's door is open to me. And John 14 helps us to see that. And the disciples of Jesus, they're having a rough time um, in chapter 13. Uh, Jesus has told them at the Last Supper he's going away and that he, they can't go with him. And Peter's been told he's going to deny Jesus three times. Uh, Judas has entered into night, and we looked at that last week. Satan's involved. So there's ample reason to be freaking out like about where we're at in life. So here's my next question. What do you do with life's worries? Because they're worrying. What do you do with life's worries? You either take them in, or you take them up. I guess those are the two options, aren't they? My sin, one of my biggest sins, is I take them in. Whereas, John 14 says, 
If I grasp who God is, I'll be taking them up. That's what Jesus says. Give them up to a father who can handle them. What do you do with life's worries? Because we're in this chapter now together. And what the Lord Jesus does, he lays out promises in John chapter 14. So people going through loads of things in life learn who God is primarily. And he gives facts. It's full of God. But not just God. It's full of grasping. God is a father. And we're not very good at it. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. You need to know him. In, John, in chapter 9, um, anyone seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who believes me believes the Father. In verse 16 and 17, Jesus says, Christians have a helper in them, the Holy Spirit. He's a gift from the Father. So the Father gives gifts. He's a spirit given. So no one needs to be an orphan this morning, spiritually speaking. You can all have a father, not a mighty ruler, creator, and he is those things, but they're just useless unless you realize he's a father and he uses his power as a good father does. I got some more questions to keep you awake. Do you trust God? Do you trust God with your life? Do you believe him when he says his commandments are good and worth following? Because you just sang, I surrender all. And I was thinking, I'm not sure I do. We sing some fibs, don't we? I need John chapter 14. Here's another question. What makes a good father a good father? And what makes a bad dad a bad dad? And when you think of a bad dad, do you think God the Father's got some of those bad qualities? Or is he a good dad, a good father? Here's another one. Do you trust, love, or like Jesus more than you trust, love, and like God the Father? Is your view of God the Father less than your view of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, or of the Holy Spirit? If we did a survey, lots would feel this, even in churches. God the Father is the one who does the judging. God the Son, he's sort of in the public relations department of God. He's the people person. He's the one we like. Father's un distant, uncaring. Jesus needs to twist his arm to get him to like you. So he's into public relations. Jesus is the, the people person. Incidentally, in the Old and New Testaments, uh, it's God the Son that does most of the judging, but that's a different sermon. John chapter 14, though, blows the idea out of the water that the Father is not a people person. Blows it out the water. It also blows out the water that he's this cold, like, security guard ruling the earth, looking at screens, waiting for you to mess up so he can tell you off. Because that's a lot of people's view of God. Our first thought, according to John chapter 14, of God should be Father. And that is supposed to change us. So we leave here more warm and full of worship than when we arrived. And here's a phrase to capture John chapter 14 from Dr. Michael Reeves. And it sums up the whole message and it's this. There's no God in heaven who is unlike Jesus. 
There's no God in heaven who is unlike Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 7, I and the Father are one. If you see me, you see the Father. So when you see Jesus doing wonderful things, there's a smiling Father. And Jesus is like his heartbeat and his expression to the whole world of who the Father is. He says in, I'm just going to read it, hammer it home. Um, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? That's verse 10. Here's the first part of verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Believe it, because you don't believe it. In Colossians chapter 1, Jesus is called the express image of the Father. In Hebrews 1, he's called the brightness of the Father's glory. In John chapter 15, he says, as the Father loves me, I'm loving you. So when you see Jesus loving people, it's because he's experienced that same love from the Father and he's passing it on and showing what God's love is really like. And um, this is the main point of John chapter 14. He's a father and Jesus is about to go to the cross to remove people's sins and die their death. Why? So that the barriers removed. Why? So we can come to God as a father, welcomed into the family. He says, I'm opening the way. To where? The father. So, it is not Jesus is here to calm the father down because the father hates everybody. It's not the father loves to be distant from you. It's here, John 14, so you can have rest in your pews today and know that you're loved, loved by a heavenly father and that you can have peace with whatever you face if you're in John chapter 13 and you're worried. I asked you earlier, what are traits of a good dad or a bad dad? I'll tell you a trait of a good dad. You ready? One of the traits is their children love to be near them or they love having children near them. A friend of mine lost his child once in a theme park. That's bad, isn't it? And he said, the joy that I had when I found my child again, it was something like 20 minutes in a theme park. There was nothing like the joy of having my child back in my company. There's no different from God the Father, according to John 14, when people like us come to him. I found them. They were lost in the theme park of Cardiff, but they've come back today. Uh, 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to God. You come to God. I've been at a homeschooling conference this week. Don't worry, my children are still in Lakeside Primary School. But um, I was worried because I've got a sort of a, probably a misconception of homeschool families, which this conference helped put right actually. But I was worried that some Christian dads have a quirk in their character and they're isolationist. And so they pull out of lots of things in life. They label it Christian and they're doing God's will. But it's just their character quirk. They're intense. Then they have a family so they can just lambast them with all of their views on life and make them little copies of themselves. And they throw homeschooling into that to help get the job done. Right? But they're cold. And their children don't actually find them loving. He's just a ruler. 
He's not a dad. That was my worry going there that I'd be in a field full of children who were frightened of their dad. But I tell you, the biggest appeal from last week was that most of the children seemed to like their dads. And uh, to me, that shows that they're coming from a good place, these homeschoolers. They want to protect their children, I understand. And, uh, but I saw children playing with their father. So that means they've grasped what godliness is. Why? Because God is a father, a kind father. And men who get that should be kind fathers. Otherwise, they're not godly because he's a father. And I know we shouldn't be pally-pally with, with God like, he, like he's our mate. Like Romans 11:22 says, Behold the kindness and severity of God. I get that we're to have healthy fear of God. And I like that children respect adults and teachers and police officers. There should be healthy fear. But Christian men can miss the kindness bit of that verse and go straight to the severity. But God is a kind Father, and when we see good fathers, or we see Jesus in John chapter 14, we should as a church go, oh, that's like my heavenly Father. Thank you for being like my heavenly Father. But we don't. We don't think of it enough. That's why we keep away too often. We don't. Um, Have you ever listened to Max Boyce uh, live in Triorchy from the 1970s? You got that on tape? I grew up listening to that. And uh, do you remember that bit where he says, um, and we'll all bring our wives back a present so we can go next time again? You remember that? Yeah. So uh, men, husbands, if you want to go back somewhere, you've got to bring your wife a present, see, and she, she'll be happier and let you go next time. That's Max's point. Not my point. Don't ever go. It's Max. And um, anyway, but I like it because when you buy something, it's yours to take home from the conference to give it to your wife. But when you buy something, you take it home. You pay the price, you take it home. It's yours then. And um, we've been, the church has been bought with a price. It was the blood of Jesus on the cross to get us out of death and sin. Now where do we go? Home. He takes us home. And why is heaven home? Because the Father's there. That's why. It's not that we get to drink Guinness all day long and have a big booze up. Heaven, which loads of people think in funerals, is the ultimate epitome of joy and happiness. Have a booze up. No, there's something better than that. God our Father is there, and you're going to meet Him face to face one day. And we don't think of that enough. And in John 14, and for the Christians here, we need to realize we're not orphans. And the door is open for you every day to come back. And if you're not a Christian, you need to realize you are missing out on having a heavenly Father to guide and watch and protect you and work all things for good. So drawing all this together, we must go through Jesus to get to the Father. You must go through Jesus to get to the Father. Only Jesus really knows who the Father is like. So get into Him Put your faith in him and he'll reveal more and more what his father's like in the correct way. Because he is powerful. He is almighty. He is a ruler. But it's all useless unless you're going through Jesus because Jesus makes you realize, oh, he's a father. He's using all these things as a lovely father would would use his power. 
Um, it's a bad idea to think of God without going through Jesus. Because you'll put your own ideas of what godliness is instead of letting Jesus do it. Now, um, I got a dad, and uh, thanks be to God, he's still alive. And I know him, I know my dad better than Richard Barrett knows my dad. So if you want to learn about my dad, you come to me. I'll tell you, don't ask Richard, he only knows a bit. I know more. Um, and Jesus is the one you go to to learn about who this Heavenly Father is. So when you get to the Bible, go, G go big on Jesus wherever you are, and you'll learn about the Father. Shall I tell you why? Because Hitler loved God, and he loved that he was almighty. I worship the almighty. He respected God for being almighty. But the problem was, Hitler bypassed Jesus and started sticking on his ideas of what almighty meant. So he used God to be a ruling agent of evil and chaos. So you can't learn anything about God, the Father, because you'll shape it wrong. You have to be big on the Lord Jesus Christ. And philosophers are like, who's God? He's timeless and existential and he's a mist and all this stuff. Jesus is like, just follow, trust me. I'll handle it. You trust me and be Jesus-centered and me and my Father will make a home with you. You must go through the Son to understand the Father or you'll get it wrong. And I asked you at the start, do you feel heaven's door is shut to you this morning? If you do, you haven't grasped the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, because He literally sent His very best, His best Son, all He's got, into earth to go to hell for you and back. So to think that His door might be shut to you after He's used His power to do what? Chaos and evil? No. Send His Son to come and get you. I'm telling you, on the authority of John 14, you can come this morning to God, maybe for the first time, maybe for the a millionth time, and be filled with God and hope. I need to wrap this up. At the moment, I'm going through a rough patch with my boys. I'm making them eat vegetables. <laughs> they think I don't love them. They think I would love them if I gave them sweets all day long. See how the measuring stick's a bit wonky. But it's because I love them, I give them a little slice of carrot and then threaten them if they don't eat it. No, I don't. <laughs> and it's because I love them that they have to eat half the broccoli because the measuring stick isn't sweets. The measuring stick is goodness. And here's the last big point, really. Verse 23 says, trust us. Jesus says, trust me and me and the Father will make our home with you. That's good for you. Now, some people here or watching at home, don't like God the Father, or don't think He's good, or don't trust Him, because you're going through suffering or pain. And your measuring stick is, if He loved me, He wouldn't make me eat those vegetables. But there's no promise in the Bible that this side of heaven, you're going to have a pain-free life. That's not the measuring stick of how to know if God is trustworthy, or whether I should commit and go all in. The measuring stick is, he will move in with you, and they will be with you. The triune God will be with you in the vegetable eating. That's the measuring stick. Do you know what? The world at the moment, their values are so cheap. 
The highest we can go is sex and drugs and rock and roll. We're here to show Cardiff there's something better than sex and drugs and rock and roll. And that's to have God with us. Because we're made to be children of God. And I don't think we pursue it enough. And I think we go down the sex, drugs, and rock and roll route, whatever that looks like for you, too much to find happiness. But God will be in it, whatever we go through. Who said this? We have been taught that freedom is the freedom to pursue our petty, trivial desires. But real freedom is freedom from our petty, trivial desires. Who said that? It's clever, isn't it? Freedom is freedom from our petty, trivial desires. Do you know what theologian said that? Russell Brand said it. <laughs> Russell Brand said that about three weeks ago on Twitter. And it is just summing up so nicely John chapter 14. Lord, free us. The world needs someone to show them that there's something more than petty, trivial pursuits and that we can actually be filled with God. And if you go home and chase that and have communion with Him, you will have a mark of majesty about you as you flourish as children of God. We're in this together, and I do close now with an appeal to young people. Young people have left the churches, a generation lost. Do you know why? Loads of reasons. I can think of one. They've seen through a type of churchgoer for whom their faith is just being good and keeping rules. And you could get away with that 50 years ago because society generally liked the church's idea of being good and keeping rules. But now society's done a U-turn and they think the Christian idea of the way to live is evil. So off they go because it was only about rules anyway. So they've gone chasing the new fads and why would we go all in with this? Because on church is just full of old people who keep rules and put apples on the teacher's desk. They're just swats. That's why we've lost a generation. How do we get them back? Our message is not come to church and learn how to be a swat. It's not. Our message isn't, oh, you nasty little boy, put the cigarettes away and put the smartphone down and behave, you rotter. That's not the Christian message. The Christian message is this. We call the young generation back to something majestic way before they learn how to behave. The majesty is that they can know God. And when church is full of people that know and trust and love God, that makes an impact on the generation lost. Our teenagers are a missionary force waiting to be unleashed in the playgrounds. The message isn't, behave. The message is, God is a father and you can know him all the days of your lives. So let's cling on to him and obey him and love him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.